With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, it might be the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome back once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We've got a good show for, lined up for you guys today. Dana Lane, as always, is going to co- come in. We're going to go down the Vegas lane. We're going to get the Rebel Report. We're going to get a pretty interesting update on the first mock expansion, expansion draft that was done by the Las Vegas Knights, and a little, a little bit more, a little bit more on the new hires and how things are going with the Knights franchise. And then following that, we've got Ian Reed coming in. He is from the last word on sports, and he covers the Sharks and NHL news in general. And we're going to be talking with the young guns in the Pacific Division, uh, all the talent coming up in Phoenix and Edmonton, and and where he sees those franchise headed as as they kind of kind of pace each other on their way, struggling up the Pacific Division ladder, if you will. So we got a pretty good show for you today, Chris. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great show. Uh, and uh, now I guess we, we get back to our Around the League segment, and uh, I guess we have to kick it off with a pretty good debut uh, for for Mr. Austin Matthews, the, the number one pick of last year's draft, I would say. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up to uh, go back to doing the Around the League to open up the open up the conversation on the show because it was always a lot of fun. We could pick and choose whatever you know, whatever cool topics were going on, suspensions, hits, injuries, uh, fantastic debuts by number one overall picks from Arizona. Uh, anything we want to talk about, anything that's interesting, we get to do in the the first segment. I'm glad you brought it up because it's good to get back to that instead of you know just jumping right in and hitting the interview real hard. We'll. Uh, We'll take a few minutes and talk about Mr. Matthews there. I kind of, uh, 
you know, first goal, okay. Second goal, okay. You know, hat trick, I, I, I put out on Twitter on our account. I was like, now this is getting silly. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, goal, goal number four. And then in typical Leafs fashion, they go on to lose the game in overtime. One of the... One of the things about that night that really struck me, and it wasn't his four goals, it was his demeanor and his his willing to take responsibility for that last goal. You know, it, it could be certainly confused, or not confused, it could certainly be excused if the kid scores a hat trick in his first NHL goal and he goes into some crazy... Uh, Nile Yakupov type celebration or uh you know and he never lost his cool the moment was never too big for him um as a matter of fact when they dished the puck out to him as he was coming down the slot for his hat trick goal he didn't jump up and down and celebrate himself he pointed at his teammate the whole way over into the glass telling his teammate good pass good job and and certainly you know, kept his composure the whole time, and then the first things out of his mouth in the post game interview was, you know, the 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 reporter I saw, she was like, oh, you know, your first game, first game, you had four goals. What's it feel like? The first words he said was, "It's definitely my fault. We lost that game. I lost my man in overtime, and that's something I have to work on." Didn't take any credit. Didn't gloat in the moment. Absolutely took responsibility for t- taking the wrong turn up up uh, at the blue line there. And, and his man beat him back to the puck and got the game winner. And he absolutely owned that moment way before he wanted to talk about any of the four goals he scored. And I think those two instances, more than anything else, tell you all you need to know about Austin Matthews. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I kind of saw the same thing uh, in, in the post game, and uh, I think this guy is going to be the complete package on and off the ice in, in terms of skill, ability, winning attitude, leadership, the whole nine yards. Uh, Toronto got a heck of a player uh, uh, with Austin Matthews, no doubt. But I guess then we have to move on to the injury bug, which uh, well, after hold, our hold last on. show is even... Oh. Hold on just a second. I don't know if there's been any nicknames out there for Austin Matthews yet, but I want to put mine in the hat real quick. You've got the the, okay. the gunslinger who comes out of the out of the saloon with four blasts in his opening night, and he's from Arizona. So I don't know if you can call him anything but the Arizona kid. So let's. Uh, I'm just gonna put that out there. This is my own little my own little nickname for the guy. He's the Arizona kid. I like the Southwest reference. I like the desert hockey roots and background. And he's more than willing to talk about how if it wasn't for the Phoenix Coyotes, he'd be a baseball player. Um, so that there is something to be said for expanding the game in desert hockey if you can bring a talent like that out. Um, so I'm, I, I'm just gonna put the Arizona kid out there and and. That's my nickname for him. But, yeah, we do have an injury bug that's been been going around. Uh, what do We got quick, and that could be – I mean, we might not see oh. him. If he, has, if he has surgery on it, we might not see him this year. It is a, a groin in the same place that his previous groin injury that caused him to miss two to three months last time around. Um, don't know how long the Kings can, can stick with Zach Coffin. Budai. I've been wanting to see Peter Budai back. He had an amazing, he had an amazing year in the AHL last year, and I thought for sure that somehow he would get picked up by a team to be to come back into the NHL. 
but it didn't happen and he was fortunately for the kings he was back in ontario and able to be recalled but how long do you think they can go with with that tandem given we i mean we talked with jd styles last week about the the depth on the blue line and the and the depth you know third fourth liners which is historically where the king's team defense could wear down the opponents it's just not there this year how long how long do they stay afloat in that pacific division with that goaltending tandem yeah that's a tough one i mean uh, i actually just wrote an article at uh, last word on hockey about the Kings, and, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot to be concerned with from an age standpoint, the game's played, mileage standpoint, um, salary cap form system, and that was before this, this injury happened. Um, yeah, that, that uh, you know, he is a, a, a tremendous goalie. Uh, nothing against the other guys. I think the other guys can be very fine backup goalies, but I think that's what they are. And uh, uh, if he's going to be out the next, at least uh, the next three or four months. I mean, the Kings are uh, are now teams, so I don't know. It's not easy to trade for a goaltender. Um, I don't know where the answers where the answer could possibly lie. To be honest with you, then there's the whole salary cap consideration in terms of what the guy makes, so what the guy's cap number is, finding the right trade value, and uh, you know, so it's 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 going to be a challenge for Dean Lombardi. I, I mean, on a small trade level, you know, the, over here with the Islanders, they're carrying three goaltenders, one of which is J.F. Berube, uh, who uh, they claimed off the Kings last year. And there has been, uh, I've been reading some rumors that the Kings would like to get him back, but, you know, to to what extent of uh, they, they'd be willing to give up because carrying three goalies is, is not the easiest thing to do. But the Islanders are really high on Berube, so they just don't want to, give them away or, you know, even even for a decent, pretty good draft pick. So I don't know where the Kings go from here. I'm, I'm not sure where the goalie market really is. And um, uh, if, if quick it winds up being out for the whole year, I know they're not in the Central and I know they're not in the Metropolitan, but, I, I mean, I, I think it's it, it's it's a jump ball for, for that third spot in the division. I, I don't think they make the playoffs if quick is out and they don't make a move. I'll say that right now. Um, and I don't think bringing in Baruby is the answer. I think that's bringing in more of what you already have with Zakoff and, and yeah. Peter Budai. I, don't, I agree. If you're going to go for a goalie, you're going to start picking over guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the year. You're going to be going for, I mean, what's been Bishop's trade value. The farther into it we go, the the harder it is to move him. Um yeah, I agree. You know, he, they, if the Kings, I, I did hear. Go ahead. I did read one rumor uh, with the Flyers. Now, they have Steve Mason and Michael Novart, both of who are free agents at the end of the year. So from that standpoint, too, the Kings wouldn't be uh, in a situation where they even locked up even more with the salary cap. And, you know, possibly would, would they be willing to trade one of their two goalies uh, to the Kings? Um, in either Mason or Michael Norbert. So that that is one rumor I did read uh, to throw out there, what they would have to give up for one of those guys, that I don't know. But um, I don't know how you feel about those two guys. I think that would be a step up 
over Barubi, although I am a, a Barubi fan. When you guys got him last year, you were texting me, and what do I think of him? And I'm I very high on him as a prospect, but not as a guy who, as you said, the Kings are a win now team, and age is catching up yep. to him. And that Barubi is not the guy who is going to be a win now goalie. Um, as far as Mason and Neuvirth go. Um, if I had a pick, I'd take Mason over Neuvirth. I think with the right defense and in front of him that he could probably maybe come back to some of his form he showed as, as a rookie. Um, I would be and, – and that plays into my, my go after some goalies that are free agents now. Uh, going to be UFAs at the end of the year philosophy of what they what they might be able to do looking to replace quick in the short term and then you can send Barube back and um, Zakoff is under a million dollar cap hit so maybe he's someone you could send the other way or or maybe they want Budai the other way and Zakoff stays as the backup so in- interesting though and we got we got Eichel out um moving on to the sabers and you know the, there's another dude we we didn't talk about but uh you know that that Sidney crosby guy took a concussion in practice and i and i saw he i saw someone tweet a picture of him skating this morning but um ike eichel uh, let me ask you this uh those two guys which, which comes better to maintain uh even keel with their superstar out, Sabers or Penguins? Well, the Saber, I mean, the Penguins, uh, you know, have an established, you know, deep team. They still have a couple of superstars in Phil Kessel and you know, Yanni Malkin, and um, so um, not to not to mention more stable in terms of uh, uh, their play in net. Um, so I have to go Pittsburgh. It's just a little scary in terms of, you know, Crosby a few yeah. years ago had over a course of, a, I want to say about 12 months, two horrible concussions. Uh, yeah, that's what and I'm I remember about. at that point. Yeah, and I, I remember at that point in time, I was, and he really has been okay since, which is pretty miraculous. But so I, I think, uh, and any anyone who studies uh, athletes with concussions in any of these sports, especially the physical sports, uh, you know, once you get one, you're more prone to get the next, and so on and so forth. So yeah. a bit of a slippery slope. So uh, they need to be extra, extra, extra careful. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, he was ready to come back November first. You know what? Have him come back three weeks later. I mean, yeah, literally, like 100%. be the, be be that uh, extra anal about it. And you know, the hockey's a long season. The Penguins are going to make the playoffs. And uh, that's the tactic. And, and then at that point, you know, cross your fingers. Because I saw Pat LaFontaine, the last concussion that ended his career is when he bumped into his own man at center ice, yep. fell on his rump, and then the, the shock from falling on his, uh, on his behind uh, was the, was the con- cause of concussion, and that's how his career ended. So, yeah. I mean, to, to put it in perspective... I will I will say I disagree with you a little bit on that he's been fine ever since. I don't think Crosby had been back to being Crosby until the middle of last season. I think even going back to the to the playoffs the year before, um, and all all three last season, I don't and I, I you know two years ago when he was coming back, um, 
I, I Tom Tom was hosting the show with me at the point, and I flat out said that Sidney Crosby wasn't the best player in the game anymore. And the concussions, the concussions had taken their toll, and the and the puck in the mouth, and um, the, those things, those things aren't pretty. And and I I finally started to see Sidney Crosby that I want to see um, last year, and he you know there's still even then not quite, but. Enough to where I was like, okay, Crosby's back to being Crosby again, and he's he's still the best player for at least a little bit longer. And then what what I saw of him in the World Cup, he was going to come out and get off to a terrific start this season, and then he gets hurt in practice, and it's, it's very disappointing to me to see to see that happen. And like you said, it's concerning on not just this level, but but. Um, you wonder, you wonder how hard it, he got hit, or you know what what caused it in practice. Is it going to be one of those things that that extends and extends out again? And we just, you know, as hockey fans, we just cross our fingers and wait and see on that. Now, since since Eichel sprained his ankle, and they said he could be out, what they say, two months on Eichel, maybe six to eight weeks. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, they're always very cryptic in the NHL about these injuries, but. Uh, I've heard that. I, I would say this. If Eichel comes back under six weeks, Sabre fans have to be pretty happy with that. And then so, fo- following uh, that know, up, Evander Kane goes into the boards, breaks three ribs, and he's out indefinitely. So, what is, I mean, is, this was the is, year I thought, yeah. was, was it you that has Buffalo as the wild card, or was it the... I did. That was I did. you. I did. Oh man. Yeah, they. they you want to? I'll give you a chance. To, I'll give you a chance right now to get off the hook on that. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm going to stick with my pick, and they, okay. they're going to have to, you know, just hold steady, you know. And uh, to be honest with you, with Evander Kane, I kind of looked at him, even though they need him to contribute, almost like a bonus. Uh, I, you know, to me, he'll wind up probably missing games. I felt going in the year that he would miss some games due to injury and probably score his 20 goals. Uh, but the, the one year, that unbelievable year he had a couple, I guess now it's like three, four years ago, Winnipeg, and people thought he was going to be a superstar. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Uh, Eichel, obviously, uh, with his with his ankle situation, is a uh, is a real rough one. So hopefully the you know the say the Ryan O'Reilly, you know uh, Kyle Poso, and uh, and folks can uh, you know. Uh, pick up, pick it up. So uh, we'll have to see how the, how that plays out. Those those twenty goals are much needed goals in Buffalo. Don't and I, I I you know we did our show and I thought that the Evander Kane with the pending charges and and those distractions aren't what you need to have around all the young talent that those guys have coming up. Um, but as long as he's on the roster and as long as he's there, they were counting on him heavily for offensive contribution and. I mean to have have that taken away after the gut punch of Eichel getting hurt, I I can't see them holding that fort down. Um, if they do, they'll surprise me. Put it that way. I I, I think your wild card pick just went out the window, sir. <laughs> we'll see. It's a it's a long season. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It is. Um, I guess that's the the injury bug. Anything else strike you in the first week as interesting? Uh, no, I mean, I think it's funny. Everyone I talked to felt like by far uh, Vancouver was the, uh, uh, <laughs> you, you know, the, the team that was, mo- is going to be the, the 
the number one favorite to get the number one pick. Yeah. And uh, they won their first two games. But, again, it's a long right. year. Not that I have anything against Vancouver. But uh, uh, so uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But, yeah, I mean, you know, at this point in the year, you just try to get off to a good start and see what happens after that. Is that the enjoy it while it lasts Vancouver segment that we just covered right there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. That was that was us going around the league and just having a little round table spitball there on on stuff that jumped out in the first week. And we're going to be kicking things off as usual with Dana Lane from Dana Lane Sports, KSHP fourteen hundred AM here in Las Vegas co-host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline with Brian Blessing and also the play-by-play voice of the UNLV Skating Rebels. Dana, hello, sir. How are you, sir? Good to, uh, good to talk with you again. How was your week? Uh, it was good. It was good. We had a little trip to California for a family, my brother's 50th birthday, so we had a, a good nice. a good feast on Saturday night there at a real nice place in Orange County, so uh, still trying to recover from that. Every time I introduce you, it seems like your titles and monikers just keep extending, extending out. Well, you're, you're getting to be a very busy man, sir. I am, and that's funny you say that because during the summertime, I told my wife, I said, geez, you know, I'm not doing anything hockey. You know, it was like July or something. I said, man, I haven't done anything hockey related in like two days. I mean, I was just kind of bouncing around the walls here in the house, and now she never sees me, and I'm doing the same thing, but for the opposite reason because I got too much on my plate. So, always happy to do it, though. Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, let's kick off. The Rebels had last weekend off, so give me the uh, Rebel report for this week. Who do we got this weekend? Where are they at? And so on and so forth. Yeah, two games this week against BU. That's Boston U. Uh, they'll be at the Soviet Arena this week. Um, they will have practice tomorrow at the Las Vegas Ice Center and then again on on uh, Thursday uh, at Sobe Arena. And then next week, Long Beach State comes in. And uh, that's going to be interesting because I saw the uh, the younger kids play the Storm at the Ice Center. And, man, they are big kids. And I wonder if that equates to their, to their college team. But, uh, yeah, they're jacked and ready to play. They did a couple team-building events this week. They had a wiffle ball tournament. And uh, uh, I think they went out and played golf one day and just, you know, try to stay focused and try to stay healthy. That's the main thing for them. And they have, you know, they look like they're going to be close to 100%, uh, which they haven't been since game one. Right. We had the the undisclosed injury to one of the goaltenders. I'm going to try and stay true to the uh, the mystery, the mysterious hockey injury report and not mention which one or who, but how is that coming along? Oh, well, uh uh, I guess I'm not very good at the, the mystery, but Terry Martin's the one with the uh, he fractured the tip of his finger. He uh, had the pin taken out. Um, he's still extremely sore, so um, it's probably he's probably not going to see any action this weekend. I would think Long Beach would probably be you know the quickest he could see action, but they're very uh, they're they're fine with 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 Peace and Idison behind them. Uh, um, so, I mean, to me, it doesn't matter. All three of those guys are interchangeable. I think they're solid in goal, no matter who plays. All right, all right. Well, I'll probably see you at least one of the games this weekend. It'll be cool to go see BU play for sure. Um, yes, sir. 
Let's. Uh, I caught the very end yesterday of your conversation with the president of hockey operations, and he was talking about having to go back to Cleveland for the AHL banner raising ceremony and then coming here for two days and then going back for the Cleveland Cavaliers ring and banner ceremony. It, it, it sounded like it was a real uh, interesting conversation. I'm sorry I missed uh, the, the vast majority of it. What uh, what impressions of the the new president of hockey ops did you take away from that interview? Preferably the the parts I did not, <laughs> I wasn't able to hear. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought Kerry was really forthcoming. I mean, one of the questions that I asked him was, you know, what part of your resume? Because, my goodness, if you look at his resume, I mean, it, it is all over the place. But um, I said, you know, what part of your resume do you think is is the the gleaming part? I mean, the part that pushed Bill Foley over. And he, he honestly said, you know, he thought that the, the part about, you know, his time down in Carolina and what he uh, – what he did down down there with the with the hurricanes being in charge of, of sales and ticketing, and um, I, I tried to kind of push him towards Dallas a little bit because I just thought that you know the uh, with with a brand new franchise, not only you know being brand new, but also one in the desert. I thought that that was kind of equates a little bit better to what we might be doing out here in Vegas. But he seemed very proud of, uh, of what they did in Carolina. And, Gary Bulls uh, certainly comes here with a wide variety of things on his resume. Yeah, no question. One of the things that I did catch at the tail end of that was um, he said one of the one of the one of the important aspects that he brings to the job is that he knows what he doesn't know, and he's freely able to acknowledge the things that he doesn't know that he's not good at, and he, he's perfectly willing to hire the help and and get the people around him that can do the things that he can't do and that all through his career whether it was with the hockey whether it was with the nba that he's always put himself in a team first mindset when he comes into the office and i think that's i mean that's right in line with what mr foley said he was looking for when he was looking for a general manager and other front office personnel i think that might have been part of what put him over the top with mr foley no yeah, I, I mean, certainly so. I mean, um, uh, the rings that he is going to be supporting after uh, after this week is also something that probably sways Foley a lot, too. I mean, he not only won a championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but they also won one with uh, in the American Hockey League with the Monsters. So, you know, he certainly has won uh, championships in multiple sports. He was also part of the Cleveland Gladiators, the former Las Vegas Gladiators, and he was part of that. Uh, organization as well so he's got his hands in a lot of things and what I like about the staff so far is yeah they hired hardcore hockey guys to start with but what they're doing now is they're really rounding it out with guys that maybe have a toe outside of hockey uh, even though it's still in professional sports in some cases some cases it's not Uh, but I think that this staff is well-rounded and covers every aspect that you might uh, you might want out of the staff interesting hire yesterday said exactly along the lines of what you're talking about um for those that haven't gone to the site yet general manager is now shut down the guy who was keeping track of salary caps and actually had put together the the best mock draft expansion draft app in his site that i'd I'd come across and i've done a bunch of them um was hired away from his his uh website and is now a member of the las vegas knights 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those hires where you just kind of go, okay, I like that a little bit. My dogs are going to bark there in a second. I apologize. Go in another room. But, um, yeah, it's one of those hires where you just kind of go, okay, that's nice. I mean, we got we to gotta call into him to uh, get him on the show. And, I, and, you know, we talked about this today on the show. I mean, I really want to see, you know, how or how, what is his role and what, how is it defined? I know he's got a job title. But what exactly does, does that mean? And so I, I love these guys that kind of come from outside the box thinking, which he certainly does. And we'll see how that equates to what he's able to bring to Las Vegas. Chris? Hey, Dan, it's Chris. So we've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, so what's, um, I'm going to get to the expansion draft uh, in a second or thoughts on it. Uh, but first, what's George McPhee been up to these last couple of weeks? Uh, Imagine him and his staff have uh, started the, the scouting, which there is an immense uh, amount of work to be done with that for both yeah. expansion draft as well as the amateur draft, which he uh, views as uh, very critical for the team's future. So what can you tell us about any news from Mr. Mr. McPhee and, and company? Well, basically what uh, we had George McPhee on the show uh, about a week ago, and um, he was facing the pool while we were interviewing him, so we didn't make a lot of eye contact with him. But um, the one thing that he did say, and of course last week was his first mock draft, and so basically what they wanted to do is not only you know get the potential players um, on, on a board and see what a draft might look like, but also each one of those scouts are assigned to a cluster of teams, and basically they just kind of go around the room and they get everybody's opinion and. And, of course, they have, you know, their capologists in there, and they talk about what a potential draft would look like uh, next June. And so the funny thing about what he said was, or the great thing about what he said, uh, when Brian asked him what was the, you know, result of the first draft, he said, man, if this is the team that we end up with, we're going to make the playoffs. And he said, uh, I mean, he is not a man that says things like that with any, without any kind of facts behind them. So I get it, you know, that got us kind of excited for sure. But uh, certainly that's what he's focused on right now. And uh, they're going to do two or three, uh, if not four, mock drafts before we see uh, the next expansion draft. Now, Dana, have you um, done yourself? I know it's kind of hard because in some certain circumstances, just my own self, I've talked at nauseam with people over the last, number, uh, last few months since Vegas got announced, especially with certain goaltenders. And I read in one yeah. place, well, this guy doesn't have to be protected or this guy has to be protected. So uh, it's a little confusing. I know here on Long Island there was some confusion with one of the young Islanders and Ryan Pulak who does have to be protected, which really takes an impact on how they're going to do their protection list. They're going to protect four defensemen, for instance. But... Um, do you have a couple of names you're kind of eyeballing that you know is going to be, you know, you feel pretty confident that they could wind up uh, being in the expansion draft that would be great fits for the Vegas franchise? Yeah, you know, when this first came out, I mean, the first thing that we all did was, you know, put together these mock expansion drafts. And, of course, it was under rules that wouldn't apply to an expansion draft today. I think, I think though, for me, I mean, I think I kind of just kind of, sat back and said, well, let, let's really do one after the trade deadline. Because, you know, for instance, and, and believe me, it, it's as fun as it seems, it's a lot of work. And you know while you're doing it 
that this is, you know, if you hit, if you hit, you know, 10%, you've done a great job, but, um, you know, you, you can't help though, but to think about the goaltending situation. Um, I know people were high in Vasilevsky. I know people were high on Murray, but you know, like we talked about on the show today, I said, you know, okay, we were high because of what they did in the playoffs, a time of year where people are, you know, really focused on blocking pucks and, and really just giving everything they had. Let's see what, how that equates potentially to the regular season. And then, you know, of course, Matt Murray is hurt already. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we've seen Vasilevsky once and I, I'm just not sure if you go through the goaltenders, if these guys are the ones that, that, that pop up first. I think you have an interesting situation in, in Philadelphia. I think you have an interesting, um, you know, situation in Tampa for sure. And now what's going to happen with, with Los Angeles? I mean, are they going to decide to, to make a move depending on what Jonathan Quick decides to do? There's going to be so many. I mean, we, I talked to Lindy Ruff last week and I asked him about the goaltending situation there, you know, and I'm all thinking, you know, I can't believe you guys haven't made a move. You know, that's the question I really want to ask him, but he seems pretty happy with the goaltending situation there. But, you know, as much as you said, oh, you must really like Lettman, and we say Niemi get you know, the first two games. So, you know, for me, it's it's just kind of a wait-and-see thing. I mean, you always have kind of a wish list, but, you know, for me, it's a focus on goaltending. It's a focus on coach coaching. And, uh, you know, you see the guys that might be available coaching-wise. I mean, I hate to even say it. Uh, and, and not that I don't know I don't know him personally or anything, but Man, you look at that schedule coming up, and it looks like John Tortorella is going to be available pretty quick. Okay. But actually, real quick, uh, I have one last question about the expansion process. If you can confirm. Um, now, my understanding is uh, after the their expansion selection, Vegas has to be, I believe, is it 60% at the salary cap ceiling after the expansion draft? And... Uh, uh, do you know how it works if uh, if they wind up taking someone who's going to be a pending USA or uh, in a few days uh, at that point in time, or someone who's going to be an uh, an offer? How all those little yeah. connections work? Yeah, that that's uh, that's a great question because we asked George that as well, and um, you know, yeah, they have to be at sixty percent, and you know, basically, if we pick somebody that. Um, uh, under that scenario, um, you know that we would essentially have their rights, um, yeah, but it, but that's where things kind of get murky a little bit because we still haven't had a definitive date on when teams can start negotiating with Las Vegas for players or you know saying, hey, look, if don't take this guy, and we'll give you this. I, there's no, I, I know that our, our great writer here, Steve Carp, kind of talked to. Uh, talked to Bill Daly after the initial announcement, and he said June 1st. But since that time, I haven't had any kind of confirmation on that date, on, on that date whatsoever. So there are some kind of some gray areas in there. And, um, you know, these are the reasons for these mock drafts to kind of walk their way through this. It, it, to be honest with you, that stuff makes my head hurt. But, um, you know, I try to focus on... You know what? What I think for what the potential is for what kind of goaltender we're going to get here, and obviously we're focused on coaching. But 
Uh, those are all really, really good questions, and I'm not even sure that George McSpeed knows all the answers to all the rules. Probably not yet. Well, Dana, that we're right up against it. Man, i got to let you go for the week. It's great to talk to you again, as always, sir. All right, that was Dana Lane. Okay, Come down to Vegas Lane, as we'll usual, every week at this well. time. All right, we'll do it again next Talking week. Talking UNLV hockey, a little insight into George McPhee and the mock draft the Vegas franchise did over the last weekend. Uh I was talking with Chris just now, and they did hire the the cat that ran General Fanager, and that site is now down. So I, I just just off the top of my head, I was wondering if when they did their mock draft, they pulled up the General Fanager site. As for me, it's been the best site to do mock expansion drafts with. It was really well put together, really really easy to work through. And I wonder if they just went through his site and said, you know what, this guy knows what he's doing. We need to get him on board because uh, yesterday he was hired, his site's down, and off they go. So pretty pretty interesting, quick little quick little hire. I hadn't heard anything in the, in the rumor mill about uh, looking at, at him or anybody. I have to say, though, Mark. Yeah. I'm a little insulted because we are, you know, co-hosting the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We bring incredible insights, and no one <laughs> our phones didn't ring. So I'm a little, uh, uh, I'm a little disappointed there. I think they're saving us for bigger and better things. We're still getting the word out. Uh, okay, we can't be behind the scenes. Okay, we we got to be we got to be front okay. and center. So as soon as they announce their okay. uh, their media package, I'm sure they'll have a spot for us. Or probably not. All right, we'll be at the, we'll be at the draft, babe. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, let's bring in our next guest. We've got Ian Reed here from Last Word on Hockey. He writes for NHL News and also uh, covers the Sharks a little bit. You can follow him at iread, R-E-I-D, I-R-E-I-D, Pucknology. I kind of butchered that. At iread Pucknology. I think that came out a little bit better. Ian, welcome in, buddy. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. We wanted to have you on board because early in the season, I guess there's still hope for everybody. But also, um, I, I've been really interested in the the talent that the Coyotes and and the Oilers to. I mean, we all know about McDavid, but uh, the young guys that are coming up in the league. I was doing a little homework before the the show this week, and I went through last year's draft and this year's draft, and I just looked at the first round. Out of out of the 2015-16 draft, there's 14 players out of that first round, which obviously is almost half that have made their NHL debut and actually um, are probably favorites to stick on their roster this year. And out of this year's first round pick, I got as high as I want to say seven or eight before I, I ran out of of links to f- go down the rabbit hole trying to find, you know. Dark horses that may have got right. may have got a game in last year at the end of the year or whatever, but uh, three of those players actually made the club with Arizona this year. Um, let's start. Let's start with the Coyotes and their young talent base. I, they're probably a little bit behind Buffalo as far as the up and coming youngsters, but I think their skill level and upside might be a little bit better than Buffalo. Um, what do you think about that? I, I think, honestly, the Coyotes should probably, in my opinion, would be in the top three prospect pools in the league. Uh, when you look at the, just how deep that their prospect pool is going back, um, I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo's accumulated a lot of talent as well. Um, I, I don't know where I would put Buffalo um, as far as, like, 
you know, where I'd rank them as far as prospect pools go. But I think that you could have a good fight between the Leafs and the Coyotes for for the top prospect pool in the league right now. I, I agree. When you when I was looking through the list, one thing that struck me was uh, out of the first ten picks in both drafts, the Arizona has three starting, and then in that first round, they also got. And I don't. Maybe, maybe you heard some something in the rumor. How did they get Lawson Kraus out of Florida? What uh, I mean for a second and a third. What I, I I totally missed that deal. And now he's he made the roster this year in Arizona. Yeah, that was a, that was a summer that kind of it was it went a little bit under the radar this summer uh, as far as that trade went. Uh, Jacob um, Jacob Tricker. Now, sorry, uh, there the GM there, John Jacob. He's been uh, just. You know, everything that he seems to do is, is money right there right now. And it was funny because when he first got hired, you know, everyone looked at his age and we all kind of snickered about it. But then, you right. know, right from the draft on, I, I can't really think of anything that, that Jake has done that I haven't liked for the Coyotes. <laughs> I don't know how you get the, the number 11 overall pick out of a team one year from his draft year. I mean, if you're if you're four or five years down the road and it's time to change scenery, I can dig that. But how do you get... How do you get Florida? I guess I'll have to get Matt Pryor back on the phone. How do you get Florida on the phone and go, well, let me give you a second and a third for last year's number 11, and the guy says, okay. Um, they, they, did, they did take uh, Dave Bolin on, Mark, and uh, it was basically a bit of a cap hit. So he signed, I think, for three three more years, uh, two more years after this year at his cap numbers around, what, four and a half, five million, and they had the cap space. So uh, I think he's healthy again. So uh, at least he started the season played opening night, so that, that was a big uh, reason why they were able to get crowds for second and third round picks. That's, I, that's, uh, I think that's a steal, and it might prove to be even more than a steal. And then they have, um, in addition to the kids that just made this year, Jakob Chichern is has made the club on defense, mm-hmm. um, but then you throw in Duclair and Domi from, from last year. Um, how bright is the future, and do, I know you're a Sharks guy, how soon till the Sharks and Kings and Ducks are looking over their shoulders at these teams? I mean, the Coyotes, look, you can go down the list on the Coyotes. I mean, the guys that are, the young guys that are in the team, like you like you mentioned, Declare and Domi, who were there last year, I think, you know, they're only going to get better. And then you look at the guys like Jacob Chikrin, who made the team out of camp. I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, Lawson Krauss, uh, again, you know, from Florida, coming over, he makes the team. Uh, you know, and then you've got a guy like Christian Dvorak, who um, yep. was, huge i mean london was so stacked last year in the ohl <laughs> so uh, you know he he had a big year you know and then you take dylan strome who yep. uh you know a lot of people are wondering about uh you know is is he a product of mcdavid or is he his own guy and last night last year in Erie, he proved that you know he's his own guy right for sure um so when you look at that i think i think the man the pacific should be should be afraid of the coyotes I think in the next couple of years, one thing that I think that they have to do, and I've been, you know, I've here in Vegas, I've been kind of following uh, these guys as they've been getting drafted and coming up. And one thing they got to do is get mm-hmm. rid of, and and I, I'm not I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying they got to get rid of Mike Smith and that seven million dollar cap hit, um, and get get solid in net again, and. Maybe a year or two. I'm not putting them in the playoffs this year, but uh, I'm not going to be surprised if they're a wild card team next year. Chris, what do you got for for Ian on the Coyotes, bud? Yeah, I got a few. I got three points here on the Coyotes. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So, in looking over the Coyotes before the Kraus trade, it, and I get it, it's a new NHL speed, um, you know, the way penalties are now called and and, and, and so forth. But, you know, I, I you know I like the Clayton Keller pick. I, think, I thought he would be a great fit for the, for the Devils if he fell to there, but he didn't. But I felt like with Domi and Duclair, not that they're small, but a little undersized, and then they took Keller. So how much do you think, like, picking up a big guy like Kraus to go with some of, you know, a little bit of their undersized, if you will, guys, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to help this team. I think, yeah, I think I think a guy like Kraus definitely is much needed. You, know, you, you definitely need some size in your lineup still. You can't just go all, you know, small guys. I mean, small guys are starting to really take over, but you still need, you know, you still need a guy out there that can that can lay the body good. And I think Kraus is, is good. I, I thought that Kraus went a little high in the draft that year. I thought that he got really, um, in his draft year, 2015, I think, was the draft year for Krause. That's right. Uh, I thought that he got really, really overvalued because of the strong World Junior Tournament, which obviously is a small thing of games, but, you know, it's one of those places where if you do really well, it can really inflate your draft stock. And I thought that a, a really big World Junior kind of really inflated his stock a little high. But he's still he's still a heck of a player. Now, uh, in terms of Chikrin, and it was ironic mm-hmm. because to me, when the Red Wings were on the board, and I get it, uh, this is prior to free agency, obviously, the drafts, so they didn't have signed Franz Nielsen, they didn't sign Thomas Vanek, and uh, Datsuk, I believe, has a seven-plus million-dollar cap number, even though no one has to pay him this year, obviously, and it's the last year of his deal. But I guess He still counts against the cap, though, because it's an over-35 yeah, deal. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I thought Arizona just got a steal, and ironically to me, Jacob Chikrin was the exact kind of defenseman uh, that Detroit is desperate, desperately need, and especially when you consider his youth. Uh, I thought uh, it was, a, you know, I granted they also traded a couple picks down, I believe, uh, uh, late in the uh, second round picks, if you were second or third round picks. But uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about Chikrin, and do you think he'll stay for the whole year in Arizona? And how you felt about uh, you know, him? I was surprised to see to see Chikrin stay. Chikrin, uh, the one thing that's that's with Chikrin is he's had problems with consistency through his through his career over in Sarnia. Uh, he's, he's been kind of inconsistent, and he, I, he, I think that really hurt his draft stock. I think going in, like when you looked at the draft rankings. Going into last season, I think Chikrin was probably your your top defender that was in the you know that he would have ranked out uh, by the draft. I think he was you know where he kind of fell to like the third fourth guy. I I wasn't surprised by that, but I still think that you know his game is his game is it's it's not an over complex game that Chikrin plays, so I think that could translate to the NHL really easy. But I don't think that you I don't know if you keep him up for the whole year. I, I, I think you might send him back to Sarnia because once, as the season drags on, I think that would be, you know, kind of another concern I'd have with the Coyotes this year is that you have all these kids and the NHL season is a grind like no other. You've seen players hit a wall. We saw Jared McCann do it in Vancouver, just hit, you know, just hit a wall midseason. So um, I think just from that perspective, you might want to, you might want to send Chikrin back down at some point. And my last question on the Coyotes is, um, they've compiled a great uh, group of young forwards, a strong group, I think, pretty good group of defensemen. But as Mark alluded to, 
I don't I, I don't believe unless Mike Smith has a fountain of drink a fountain of youth. Uh, I don't know if they I don't think they have a number one goalie on their on their NHL roster and I really don't see one in the prospect pipeline. Am I wrong on on that? And if I'm not, is that um the Coyotes front front office next mission is to find their future number one goalie. Yeah, absolutely. The Coyotes for all their strengths, I think goaltending is a huge weakness. Um I like Louis Deming, but I don't think he's an NHL starter. I think he's more uh, better suited to being an NHL backup. I don't, you know, I, if Mike Smith is is Mike Smith. You're kind of stuck with that hit. Nobody's going to want that cap hit. But uh, they definitely need to not only move away from Mike Smith when that contract's up, but they need to search for that bona fide number one if they're going to be uh, a, a contender in the in, in the Pacific. Well, rumor has it that uh, the trade deadline this year is going to be crazy due to a certain expansion draft following the season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Phoenix, even with Mike Smith on the roster, try and move maybe some of their, their second-tier assets to a team that's desperate to get something in return for a goalie they may lose come June. And I, I, I actually think that, um, like you said, the new GM's got a, lot of, got a lot of tricks up his sleeve down in, in Arizona. And I, I might maybe be a little chagrined post trade deadline at the goalie that could have been the Las Vegas Knight and is now actually an Arizona Coyote. That's um I I'm kinda of holding my breath on that one. Well let's uh and I, I wanted to touch just a little bit on what you said um a little bit earlier about how it's not unheard of for the younger players hit the wall. We've actually saw that with this Phoenix Club last year who was actually in a playoff spot through December and into early January until the Ducks went on some crazy, stupid run and uh, ended up taking the division right. on the last day of the season. But it looked like, you know, everyone said, oh, it's not going to last. And then October happened. Oh, it's not going to last. And then November happened. And then December happened, and they were still on pace for a wild card or the number three spot in the Pacific. And then, you know, as you get into those dog days of January, then that they, I think Domi and Duclair and, and some of the other guys probably did hit that wall. But I think they're going to be more – I think they're going to be more able to deal with it having gone through it um, last year and and do a better job at sustaining that through this year. Let's jump to Edmonton because um, sure. we're going to be a little bit on time here, but uh, I don't want to keep you any longer than you can. <laughs> uh, we know they have the, the McDavid um, – 19-year-old captain. It was an interesting thing I heard on the radio today um, from an NHL vet who was talking about that. And he said, he said, yes, it's nice. Uh, back in back in my time, that wouldn't have happened no matter how good he was. The, the, the veterans in the day I played probably wouldn't lend themselves to a 19-year-old captain. Um, what, what are the 30 year old guys in the room? I, I know he's the heir apparent, but, uh, is that, is that something that's going to work? And maybe could they have waited a year or two to give him a C? You know, I think that with, when it comes to McDavid, they really kind of pushed themselves in a corner. How could you name him the captain of the under 23 team when you have, you know, the Oilers coach there and the Oilers GM there? How can you name him the captain of that? under 23 team and then say yeah but you're not quite good enough to be the captain of the the oilers i mean you 
you couldn't do anything else, really. Well, I think you had a built-in captain of Milan Lucic come in um, that would have taken him through his first three-year deal and see where it goes from there. But uh, with with Lucic there and the experience and the and the Stanley Cup experience that he has, I think that might have. And I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing. But I think I I more than half expected Lucic to wear the C for that team. And I was I wasn't I can't mm-hmm. say I, I can't say I was surprised. But I was a little trepidatious, trepidatious, if you will, about um, how that played yeah. out going forward. Because Lucic was absolutely a leader in Boston. He was absolutely a leader in L.A. And I think having a guy like that as your leader in, in Edmonton with all the young kids there would have suited that locker room maybe a little better than having another kid try and be the leadership role. I think with, with McDavid, though, I mean, he's, he's really mature. And the other thing with the captaincy, too, is I think the captaincy has changed. Like, what the captaincy means, like, actually means in the room, I think that's really changed over the last couple of decades. Uh, you know, I mean, everyone now, you know, no one's going to their captain whenever they have a problem. Now they're probably talking to their agent first before they do anything else. So I think right. that um, McDavid's a guy that... Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's very mature beyond his years. Uh, and that's the one thing I've always kind of noticed about him and he's a player that i've that i've watched from you know from junior uh being in an ohl city so i i don't really have a problem with him being the captain i feel like um you know they didn't the penguins didn't wait too long to give cap the, the, the captaincy to sydney um you know gretzky was the captain on that oilers team if i remember correctly that won all those cups so that did happen <laughs> So I, it, that doesn't surprise me, and I think that um, you know, it's it, McDavid's. He's more. He's 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 mature again. Like I said, so he's not going to give you. You're not. You're not going to have like headlines of off ice shenanigans from McDavid. Right. He's not Evander Kane or so on and so forth. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I I looks like Dar- Darnell Nurse is going to be there to stay. What can we, what can we see about the future? And and I know that the the Hall trade rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and I didn't like that trade because it's Taylor Frickin' Hall. But uh, you had to at some point address the defense and taking out the the price you had to pay for it. Larson comes in. Um, Chris Russell, right? Um, what? Yeah. Where does Nurse fit in there? I, it, it it looks like he's going to stick around now for sure, right? Yeah, I, I think Nurse is is going to be fine. I think you know he's going to have to work his way up the lineup right now. He's going to probably play you know third pair minutes. Um, but you know he's he's a guy. He's he can move the puck. He can shoot from the point. He plays a pretty you know again a pretty solid defensive game. He he can you know he can lay the body too. So I think that. You know, he's a guy, he just needs more experience. And, and defensemen are, you know, they're funny because they take so much time to develop. I mean, yeah, you know, you're going to look at some guys that obviously just come in the league and light it on, on fire to start. But a lot of defensemen, you know, really don't hit their hit their stride until 23, 24. So uh, I feel that when the Oilers are actually, you know, ready to be a little bit more competitive, I think that Nurse is going to be, you know, front and center in that. Right. When you have guys like Dowdy and... and like that come in as 18 year olds and expectations get high but you're right traditionally you know defensemen can sit till they're 24 25 before they come up for good so chris what do you got on the oilers bud yeah i got a couple questions for uh, ian um and one of which deals with darnell nurse in terms of both Mm -hmm. darnell nurse and griffin reinhardt 
And to me, and uh, you know, the Oilers are at that stage of a, you know, a talented young team, you know, trying to take that next step, which is to become a playoff team and then be solidified as a playoff team. We've seen teams in recent years like uh, just out here in the Eastern Conference, the Islanders, the Panthers, do that. And now they're trying to take both of those franchises try to take the next step. For me, uh, I think Nurse and, and, and Griffin Reinhardt, who the Oilers gave up a lot for, uh, their development is going to be a big key in taking the next couple of steps. How do you feel about that and how... Uh, how confident are you in, in, in both of those guys becoming core players for the Oilers over the next few years? So, yeah, you know, with Nurse, I have to be careful because I, I, I probably get a little biased because I'm from the Sioux, so that's where Nurse played all his junior hockey, so I, right. I do have a, a fondness for him as, as kind of a fan. Um, but I think, you know, I'd be... I think Nurse is going to be alright. I think that he can develop into the defense when they want. They just have to they have to be careful. They can't just, you know, try and force him up into like the top pair and be like, okay, it's you and Clefbaum, get this done. Um, Griffin Reinhardt, on the other hand, is a guy that I have zero faith in right now. Like, I just feel like, you know, this guy, when you look at what's on the, the Oilers blue line, like you would think a guy is as highly touted as Griffin Reinhardt once was, should be, you know, should have been able to break into this lineup. And the fact that he hasn't, I don't know if he ever does. Like, I'm not, I, I'm really concerned about Griffin Reinhardt if I'm an Oilers fan. Well, um, that's some, I, I, I can understand why you say that. I hardly believe just not that long ago. It was the fourth overall pick. Uh, and obviously the Oilers gave up uh, in, the, in the 15 drafts, uh, uh, mid-first round pick in early second. Um, yeah, the thing that jumped out at me about the Oilers versus the Coyotes is while the Oilers do have their own, you know, talented group of youngsters on their roster, because mm-hmm. to be excited about it, like the Coyotes, the Coyotes seem to have a lot more in the pipeline than the Oilers currently do uh, when you go past the, the main roster. In fact, if you want to use this as one source, the hockey uh, news in their future watch had Griffin Reinhardt as, as the Oilers' number one prospect. Obviously, I don't know, I don't think you agree with that, but... Uh, it seems like the, the prospect pool at this point in time is a bit thin, and how worrisome is that? And do you agree with that? Yeah, I think when you when you contrast the Coyotes with the Oilers specifically, the Coyotes like you see some you, you know you see some of their top guys that are starting to break the lineup now, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, if you look at the Coyotes, you know you're looking at guys that are still either developing or you know still in junior, or you know you have Clayton Keller who's playing NCAA right now. I think he's going to be. You know, when he makes the jump to pro, he's going to be great. Um, Brandon Perlini is going to be playing for Tucson this year. You know, 45 points with Niagara last year. Nick Merkley had a 90-point season in 2014-15. You know, there's some injury concerns there. But again, you know, this is a guy that they project really high. Um, you know, Connor Garland, who had like 130 points, I think, the last two years in the queue. So when you contrast that with the Oilers, it's kind of what you see is what you get. Um, I think when you look at a guy like Jesse Pugliarvi, I think that, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player, but I am, if I was the Oilers, I probably would have made a bigger, uh, push to sign Christopher Stieg and let him play in the minors for a year, to be honest. I think there's no shame in, you know, there's no shame in that. And I think that's the problem with the Oilers is that they, you know, they, they, they draft these guys and then they put them front and center. And the big 
problem with the Oilers specifically is that when you look at the previous regime, outside of the obvious first-round picks, their drafts were terrible beyond yeah. the first round. Like, I think other than Clefbaum, if you look through, you know, if you go like if you go to HockeyDB, for example, and just look at their draft history and see how many of their late-round picks have just never played an NHL game, going back for a long period of time. You know, they also gave up on a guy like Martin Marinson, who's looking okay with the lease now. So it's, you know, it's what you see is what you get with the Oilers. Uh, they're lucky they have a guy like McDavid, who's obviously heads and feet above, you know, a lot of the names that I've gone through. But beyond that, they're, you know, that's what they have is what's up. Yeah, to, just to confirm what you just said, you know, there's, there was a lot of, uh, uh, it's good comparison because back in 08, both the Islanders and the Oilers turned the page uh, in terms of rebuilding. And being, you know, an Islander guy out here writing about them, uh, also about the NHL last word, but, you know, over the last number of years, while it, it took the Islanders a good period of time in that rebuild, you could see in their system or on the roster all these pieces, and, and they still have a very strong system with more guys still coming. When you looked at the Oilers during that time, it was few and far between, and they both kind of started at the same point in time. So that has been an, uh, a huge problem in terms of their draft uh, drafting, uh, for sure. My last question for you, using these two teams, if I told you, Ian, that one of these teams, I'm not going to say is going to make the playoffs, but it's going to make a big push for a playoff spot for this year, just talking this year now, would you be buying the Oilers or would you buy, be buying the Coyotes? And, uh, and which one and why? You see, and that's the thing. I think because I would probably go with the Oilers because I, I like Cam Talbot a little bit better than I like um, uh, Mike Smith. And, you know, the Oilers have McDavid, and, and McDavid, the, the huge X factor. McDavid is the kind of player that you wonder if he can, you know, if he can put that team on his back and drag it in. You also have, you know, another good player that the Oilers do have right now is Leon Dreisaitl, who I have like a huge man crush on, um, you know, because he's just the just an amazing player, Dreisaitl. So I think when you, you know, when you look at the guys that they have, if they can stay healthy, uh, I think that they can they can really do something. You look at the Pacific Division this year, you know, Quick's out for three to four months. So what that does to the LA Kings, I don't know. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks. They're you know they're off to a, a poor start. You don't want to read too much into that, but you know they went through just like a coaching change, and they brought in Randy Carlisle, and I don't know how that's supposed to to make them better. So you couldn't you know wouldn't be shocking to see with the quick injury with the Ducks coaching changes that you know these teams might slide. Some of these teams that shouldn't necessarily have a chance. Yeah, I, th- I think. I think with where where the Oilers are now is is I agree with you on that. They're more conducive to push. I think I think we're do I still have that in front of me? No, I don't. We were talking with Dana Lane, one of the sports handicappers here in town, good friend of the show, and he had mm-hmm. he had Edmonton at eighty seven and a half points for the season and Arizona at seventy two and a half points for the season. So, I, th- I don't think that's going to last very long, though. I, I, I said I told him if it was me going to the window, I would take the under on Edmonton and the over on Arizona, and I think I might cash both those tickets. Yeah, I, and you absolutely might. I like the Coyotes. 
the important thing for the Coyotes now is, aside from finding a goaltender, is they just need to be patient. Yep. They have all the pieces there. They just need to be patient. Where the Oilers, they, they have nothing to be patient for because they're, they're drafted, they're, they're late-round picks. Like, you know, like just being a Sharks fan specifically, like, you know, Joe, a guy like Joe Pavelski was found in the seventh round. The Oilers have, like, they don't have any of those late-round hits. Like, everything's been miss, miss, miss after the second round. So, um, like I said, with the exception of Clefbaum, they, I, I didn't mind their draft uh, this last season. I think that they took some interesting players that, um, you know, that'll that'll probably make a difference at some time. But so it's, it's, it's rough there. They're, they're going to have to do more to try and patch this up now. I was going to say, goodness gracious, if you tell Oiler fan they got to be patient again, um, wow. <laughs> That's, <laughs> you know, with McDavid and the, and the new arena, um, I would think, you, I mean, you got to give Shirelli a couple – a couple years and a couple drafts and a couple years to right. see if that kind of bottom mid mid I mean John like you said Jonathan Quick's a third round pick Wayne Simmons was a third round pick you you can get your your superstars right. in the first round but your meat and potato second third liners second pair of defense come out of those third fourth rounds and if you're just consistently missing on those over and over again that's I mean you're going to be the Edmonton Oilers for 10 years so I, I you got to give Shirelli a couple years and a couple drafts and then a couple more years but man, I, I have a hard time looking Oiler fan in the eye and go, "Hey, patience, man." Just you know, just. Uh, but with Phoenix, on the other hand, that patience is going to be the key. You can't lose faith in in the direction where they're going. I think Maloney, um, short list for the Vegas job. I I I, mm-hmm. I can't understand why he's not working in the NHL right now. And if the next general manager job opens, he doesn't get hired. I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, because especially considering the shoestring budget that he ran that team on for, you know, through all those years with all the, you know, with all the trouble with the bankruptcy and everything else. It, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, it was probably time for a new set of eyes in Arizona, but yeah, you, you got to think he gets another job at some point. Yeah, goodness, goodness just gracious. Look at the, just look at the, you guys, look at the return he got for Yandel. I mean, if, if nothing, I mean, the, the, the picks aside, I mean, getting to Claire for Yandel alone, and uh, if any of those mm-hmm. picks wind up being, uh, you know, being core assets, I mean, that's going to be, it's already going to be a great trade for them, but uh, that, that could be a windfall. Yeah, there's more to come out of that trade. I know, they, they, yeah. they from this past draft, it was, uh, they got the final uh, fruits of the labor, if you will. They they got, uh, they had the Rangers uh, first round pick. And then. And the year before, they had the Rangers second round pick. Right. But then don't forget, yeah, so, don't uh, don't forget, dude. He brought in Hall of Famer Chris Pronger to really anchor down that blue line. Come on now, <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on now. Well, they have Dax who can. They have Dax who can on, on, <laughs> Yeah, on the on the on the cap. And, yeah, and Datsuk, right? And and brought in Pavel yeah, Datsuk. So that's, that's like heck of a deal. And uh, they have twelve and a half million on the cap this year for those two guys that come off at the end of the year. Wow. I, I I don't like that at all. By the way, I don't know if you could tell if that was sarcasm or not, everybody. But uh, that some something in the CBA has to be done where you, you can't just you know if you if you're done, you're done. Come on, that's uh, I think Mark Savard got his rights traded down to Florida too, and and I I'd be bad. I'd feel bad if that guy ever played again because he he got his lights put out and. You know, I follow him on Twitter, and he still has good days and bad days where the bright lights and the and the loud sounds bother him. 
and just to yeah. just, just to move money around like that to to and really let's call it circumvent the cap. Um, mm-hmm. w- wouldn't you be more served with twelve million dollars in players than twelve million dollars in dead roster space? I just don't. I don't get the plan there. I, I mean, I, it, it's hard to say. I mean, that 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 suit, you know, that that suit trade got you Jacob Tickren. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think the Red Wings are going to regret, uh, going to regret not not uh, picking Jacob Tickren. I guess time will tell. Yeah. Uh, they, might they, tell. they might. They they really might. I mean, that's a that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. The Red Wings. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we've been uh, we've been here half an hour, so I'm, I got to let you run, sir. Uh, you guys can follow Ian Reed at I Reed Pucknology on Twitter and go to Last Word on Sports. If uh, you know Sharks fan, NHL news content, real, real good writer over at Last Word on Sports, and and really Chris was telling me I should be calling it lastwordonhockey.com because that's really where it ends up when you when you redirect to the site. So my my apologies on that, but sir, appreciate you coming. We had a Sharks fan, Islanders fan, and a Kings fan, and we just spent thirty five minutes talking about uh, the Oilers and the Coyotes. So all all is all is right with the young guns in hockey. I'm I'm amazed at the the watching the next two years the the explosion of youth across this league it's going to be something that that we've never seen before in the national hockey league um one one last little thought is it you think that it's and and i heard someone on the radio today talking about this and it really struck a chord with me a lot of a lot of the reason that these kids are able to come up and play yes they can skate yes they're skilled yes they work out year round now and they're they're in shape um through the summer coming into camp but is it you see any correlation between the instigator rule and the the lack of of let's uh, let's say goons that are going to clean a rookie's clock consistently night in night out is you know 20 years ago a 19 year old kid in the nhl is going to get stood up at center ice repeatedly and now there's not so much of that. You think there's any correlation to this much young talent being able to crack into the league at that young of an age between that and the instigators and the other things the league has done to get rid of the fighting element of the game? I, I don't think it's the, the instigator so much that's the cause of this. I think it's, it, it's basically when they, when they put in the obstruction rules and they basically said, okay, defensemen can't, you know, jet ski on a forward into the into the zone anymore right. and i think that it, it you know it's allowed more of the the skilled players to come in i think that the game too is is probably a little bit overcoached but i mean these kids now in in, in the ohl the you know the ncaa they're all they're all you know they, they they have these systems put in them at that young age so i think it's just it, it's more of a it's more of a skill game you need to be able to skate you need to be able to to play and you know where a guy used to be able to get in just by beating people up i mean it's i, I don't think it's the instigator rule it's i think it's just the change in the, the skill of the game itself that has had more of an impact on that okay that's a good point that's a good point well Ian, i'll let you go but but uh later on in the season we'll have you back and and we'll hit your hit your home base up and talk a little sharks hockey see where they are about halfway through the season if you Sounds want to come great. back up we'd love to have you yeah anytime guys thanks for having me on oh it's our pleasure our pleasure thanks, thank you sir all right, that was Ian Reed joining us on the Vegas Hockey Podcast Hotline. There is our featured guest this week. He is at iRead 
Pucknology on Twitter, and you can always find his stuff on lastwordonhockey.com too. Kind of put him on the spot talking Oilers Coyotes, but he sure he had his he had his stuff together. Yes, sir, he did, and um, I kind of agree with him. Uh, I really like. I mean, both. I have a lot of a lot of young players to be excited about, but I really like the future of uh, Arizona a lot more than Edmonton. I, I I think Edmonton needs to get deeper. Uh, believe it or not, uh, it's going to be a big focus. Obviously, they have the, the killer superstar in uh, in Connor McDavid, so that's a big that's a that's a big leg up. And uh, maybe hopefully for their sake, Cam Talbot uh, can be a number one goalie. But uh, and they have other pieces too. But there's not a lot coming through the pipeline where it seems like Arizona is just loaded. So uh, uh, there's a lot, still a lot of work to be done in Edmonton. Well, they've got Phoenix. I'm speaking of has a couple, a couple real good defense prospects that didn't even didn't even make the team this year. They brought in Luke Shin and Jamie McBain from the Kings, which. You know, you know, I'm always big on what uh, Stanley Cups and, and championship pedigrees do to locker rooms. That's one of the things I look for. And I know Luke Shin was only there a short time, but you kind of he did fit a role there, and he did he did become more of a reliable stay-at-home defenseman than he had been previously in his career. And McBain had, does have a Stanley Cup ring, and. I know he was a third liner and a, and a scratch, but just being around that culture and taking that into the locker room with all the young guys they do have coming up in Phoenix can't be anything but a plus. And also bringing in Goligoski for that blue line to take some of the load off Ekman Larson, and you know coming off coming off Dallas's run there into the deep into the playoffs last year. Um, that is going to help the young groups. I, those those three players on on the defensive side of things are probably going to instill a little bit more responsibility. And and let's face it, Ekman Larson's been out there flapping by himself for a long time. I'd, I'd love to look forward to what he's going to be doing with a little bit of the the workload, if you will, taken off of his shoulders to some other kind of responsible defensemen there there on the blue line with him. And I, I agree with him that the Oilers are probably short term a little bit more competitive but i think by next season um like i think the coyotes are going to make a big leap in, up into the stand you know i've been high on the coyotes pipeline for quite some time oh yeah absolutely yeah and i i, I couldn't agree with you more well all right chris what do we have coming up next week and down the pipeline here sir well we have a first another first time guest where we we're trying to blend in some new first-time guests we've talked about over the summer, as well as uh, bring back the guests we had last year. Um, Philip Iver uh, is going to come on, uh, talk some Winnipeg Jets, a lot of interesting storylines there. Patrick Lane, the Jacob Truba saga. Uh, Philip Iver has got a pretty good resume going on. He's the managing editor at Arctic Ice. He doesn't do one but two Winnipeg Jets podcasts, the AIH 20416 which I happened to be a guest on last year prior to the Islanders-Panthers series, and the AIH Superfans. And if that wasn't enough, he also writes for Elite Prospects. So, uh, you know, we could even talk, talk a little prospects uh, with him as well. So uh, Winnipeg Jets, uh, I don't think it's the team we, we talk, had a, someone on from last year. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm excited to have him on. Uh, he'll be an ex- excellent guest. 
So uh, I'm looking forward to that show as well. And and where we got we got some things kicking around. I did I've been on going back and forth on social media with uh, Jillian Fisher. She'll be on the show probably. We're looking like at a, a at some time in in January, and we're hoping to have a couple other people on in uh, the near future as well. A couple of guests that uh, we we've had on the show before. So uh, uh, yeah, so we we got we we're always working two or three shows ahead trying to. Have, have the guests uh, in line, if you will. So uh, a lot of good things coming to the show. Yep, yep. Well, well, that's going to do it for this week. Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Our iTunes feed is a little bit wonky. I've been getting some tweets and emails that our, our, our iTunes feed is not updating with new, you know, new episodes as we post them. It's It's taking them a while so i'm trying to work on that you can always find us on the hockey writers podcast page over at the hockeywriters.com they have a, a nice group of podcasts over there they've got the boston bruins podcast they have uh, buffalo sabers podcast dan is hosting the bolts report over there so uh, as long with the Vegas Hockey Podcast, so make sure, you know, if you're looking for some good hockey content, there's a, there's a, there's a few good podcasts with HockeyWriters.com too, so check us out there. For this week, we're done. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.